Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum, and this is episode 52 of the Student Ministry Podcast. We're going to be talking to Ansley Higginbotham today, a good friend of mine from Download Youth Ministry. Ansley has done a lot of different things in youth ministry over the years. Currently, she is a stay-at-home mom, but she is still contributing in many different ways to the youth ministry community, uh, both through DYM, through speaking engagements, and now in a lot of different ways, uh, considering going to like coaching and all these different things. So a lot of non-traditional youth ministry talk today, but I think it's going to be great, especially in the world that we're living in right now. Um, if you're listening, listening to this after the fact, we recorded this right in the middle of all the, the coronavirus, the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that's going on around the world right now and this health crisis. And I think it's gotten a lot of us to think about how we do youth ministry right now, how this, this thing that we have been doing to, to reach teenagers for so long, how it is changing. And in a lot of ways, it's been changing for a while but maybe the the current pandemic that's going on in our world is actually causing us to think differently in a lot of of ways right now and and not just in student ministry but also like our entire church i think um, a lot of churches are thinking differently about how they are are doing ministry because they cannot meet together in a building to do worship services, to do youth group and things like that. So ministry is evolving and changing. And a lot of us, pretty much all of us are doing ministry from home now. And uh, and that's basically what Ansley has been doing for a little while as she cares for other youth pastors and youth workers out there. So we're going to chat a lot about that today. I am so looking forward to what uh, Ansley has to share with you guys today. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you all, if you have been listening to the Student Ministry Podcast for a while now, and if you haven't subscribed, you haven't left us a comment, please do that. That just helps us, um, helps us know what you like, what you don't like. And, and also, if you have other youth workers that you know who have not heard the Student Ministry Podcast, be sure to share that with others as well. We also want to thank our sponsor for this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast, and that is G-Shades Student Curriculum. G-Shades is a curriculum and teaching strategy, actually, that's focused on helping students see life uh, and everyday situations through the lens of the gospel. A lot of us uh, youth pastors, we do just a few things unintentionally. We don't, like I said, don't intend to do it, but sometimes we do these things unintentionally. Sometimes, like... Uh, we only talk about the gospel when we're giving like an altar call or something like that. We teach students to, to do as Jesus did, but sometimes we forget to teach them to see as Jesus sees. We often give students a fractured picture of the faith by teaching biblical principles and practices without actually tying them down to their gospel foundation. So in an effort to do something different, G-Shades is a curriculum designed to help you produce confident, gospel-focused students who are able to use their gospel lens to navigate the complexities of modern culture. We are in youth ministry professionally, most of us, and when it comes to the gospel, most of us naturally model it to our students, but G-Shade's goal is to help you teach it to your students. So each uh, series has complete uh, message manuscripts, small group leader guides, parent guides, daily Instagram uh, devotionals, 
games, graphics, slides, and even bumper videos. All this is incredibly important right now while we're in the middle of this pandemic. So you can actually download your free week of G-Shades student curriculum at gshades.org. And when you order anything on there, be sure to use the promo code STUMINPOD, that's S-T-U-M-I-N-P-O-D, to receive 5% off your order. We are so grateful for G-Shades for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. And with all that said, let's jump into this conversation with Ansley Higginbotham. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ansley. Hi, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, so we've known each other uh, for a few years, I think, mostly through Download Youth Ministry, and uh, it's been cool to, to connect, but I'm excited to, to hear a little more about your story and, and to actually connect with you uh, and hear what God's been doing over the years in your life today. Great, great. Well, um, I am a stay-at-home mom currently, um, but I've been in youth ministry for almost 20 years. Uh, I am typically, I, well, I am a lifetime uh, United Methodist, and I have also worked in a Baptist church setting and an Episcopal church setting. Um, but I, uh, started as a part-time youth minister at a United Methodist church and, um, then became, you know, an assistant youth pastor for a really experienced, um, youth pastor. And then, um, started, um, a, a lead role after that at another church. And, um, I have had to do some moving around because of my husband's, um, his career needs. And so that has been in some ways disappointing because you want to have that longevity, but in other ways, it's been great to see what country church youth pastor is like and what suburban youth pastor is like. Um, so that has been really fun for me to see sort of all, you know, a low, a church with a small budget an affluent church with a giant budget, but huge expectations and things like that. So, um, and then, uh, last year I left a job that I absolutely loved, um, for a church that I had worked for on and off through the years, um, to stay home with my son who really needed me at home. Um, my kids, um, just needed their mom at home mm -hmm. and to get through some special needs issues that we were facing. So, um, and since then I've been very blessed to be able to do some work with download youth ministry, to be able to speak at camps and retreats, um, to be writing curriculum for G shades and DYM and, um, just, you know, whatever comes my way that I can do, I love getting to serve and, um, and getting to use my gifts. So cool. Cool. Yeah. And shout out to G Shades, who is actually a sponsor for this episode. Um, oh. So you probably didn't yeah. know that. So <laughs> I need some curriculum for them right now. Um, I wrote some over last summer, and that was a fun experience. So it's great to get that experience and um, and work with people like Mike. He's awesome. So yeah. shout out G Shades. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So so take us back a little bit. Um, share a little bit about your story. Um, feel free to go into a, as much depth as you can just about maybe um, how you became, even came, became a Christian and, and your calling into ministry. I'd love to, to hear what God's done through the years to, to get you to that point. Sure. Uh, well, I, I grew up in a Christian household, and so we went to church. We didn't miss church. We went to church. We went to church for all the things. And um I grew up in a fairly traditional United Methodist church. Um, lucky. I, I went to the same church my whole life as a child. Um, 
And uh, so I was lucky to go to a church that was traditional, but also very just um, flexible. You know, it was sometimes in some ways it was more of a blended service sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, I was in choir and handbells and I was an acolyte and I was in my uh, youth ministry. Um, but what was really special about my church was it uh, followed the discipline. And so there was a youth on every committee in our church. Wow. So in the Methodist church, most churches, um, to be honest, totally ignore this. <laughs> but when I was in middle school, I was on the music committee, you know, and then um, as vice president in high school of my youth group and then president, I was on our church council and I had a vote and it was important. And so um, even in middle and high school, I was involved in the leadership, not only of my youth ministry, but of the church. And then, of course, through um, reading, being a scripture reader and accolading and doing choir and things, I was involved in worship leadership. So um, I really credit my amazing um, youth pastor um, and some other awesome leaders that we had, as well as just the leadership of our church that embraced um you know, what John Wesley knew a long time ago, which was that we are supposed to involve our young people in the life of the church. Now we look at that as some sort of newfangled thing <laughs> from Fuller, but really, it's what we're supposed to be doing all along. Right. So, um, and then, uh, like most people, I probably didn't go to church. I didn't do campus ministry in college. I always regretted it. Um, I went to Virginia Tech, and so um, I would go to church m most Sundays. And I would look over and see the campus ministry kids that had walked over together. And I would think, oh, I should go to that. And I could even see some other kids from my own home church in the congregation. Um, and we would sort of wave at each other. But, you know, they were people I weren't close friends with. And so it's interesting that it was always tugging at me. But um, I didn't participate. I, but I did still attend worship. And I would often drag a bunch of my friends to worship. Um, and it always, I'm always reminded that when I invited people to worship, they, they came. <laughs> Even his parents didn't take them. And so it really is important to teach young people to invite their friends to church. Um, I was a communications major, and so um, after college, I was working in the um, advertising and communications field and, um, and immediately started... Maybe almost right away, my brother um, had started a youth choir at our home church, and he invited me to help him, and this youth choir was horrible. <laughs> they were like, they could, I mean, it was just, I, if they're listening now, I'm so sorry, but at the beginning, <laughs> it was really bad. And like, he would get up, and when he would, when they would start to sing during, you know, when it was their turn to, to perform or to participate, to lead worship, People would get up that he'd never even met before and come up and sing. I mean, it was ragtag. <laughs> he said, Ansley, I'm going to start singing in parts. So I'd really love for you to come and help, you know, sit with the kids and help them learn their parts. I was like, sing in parts? I mean, you haven't mastered the melody. What in the <laughs> world? But I said, okay, whatever. And so from there, I started working with my brother. And we had, uh, he, another leader, and I had a, an amazing experience with the students. They were incredible. And then that led me to helping lead youth at the church. And then um, when I got married and moved to, my husband and I moved to a small town, um, we started a business together. And... Um, 
I started, you know, in small towns, there aren't really youth ministers. So I never thought that I would be one. Mm. Um, but we would we were going to a church and said, well, there's no youth ministry here. Well, why isn't there? Why will no one teach their Sunday school class? I'll teach their Sunday school class. So I guess all along, I was just feeling called to work with young people because I had such a great experience. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, and I would say, um, rather than a mountaintop experience, my experience of becoming a Christian was more gradual because um, I always believed. Mm-hmm. I. Not that I never questioned. I certainly did question. um, But that was more of a process through my growing up. There were several times in my youth ministry, typically when you're away, you know, at a retreat Mm -hmm. or um, some sort of committed time away that I would um, commit my life or recommit my life. But it never felt like that's where it was starting Mm -hmm. for me. Um, And as in the United Methodist Church, we're baptized as infants and we go through confirmation and then we that's a decision that we make to join the church and to commit to basically being an adult um, believer. Um, And so I had that process, but I, that really still felt like like a step in the process to me when I look back. So um, I do remember though, as a young adult deciding that uh, before I met my husband, that I I was going to have to commit my whole life, Mm. like my choice of partner, (laughs) the person that I date, Everything was going to have to be about um, my faith because otherwise it, it, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I couldn't marry someone that didn't go to church because it meant so much to me. I couldn't. So why date someone who doesn't go to church, mm-hmm. who doesn't go with me or at least find out why this is important to me. So, um, so I think that's, that, that was probably the final step. And then shortly after that, I met my husband who is a believer and, is very supportive of my ministry. So cool, cool. Yeah, I think that that was actually something that that my youth minister um, taught me, and I also learned at Bible college too. But but I very similar story. I grew up in the church, and and I look back at that turning point, and I really don't know when it happened because it was so right. gradual. But I do remember, and this is one of my one of my classes in Bible college helped to to point out those those milestone kind of moments in your life and and being able to point back to those times where I did take big steps with Christ. Right. So like there's small steps day after day, but there were those points where I was able to take a big step. And I think, yeah, those points where you go, okay, I'm all in. This is not just a, a Sunday thing. Now I'm all in. And now by my future, my my spouse, all those different things um, are, are moments like that. And, and it, sound, it sounds like, you know, along the way, God was also saying, hey, um, the next generation's important. The next generation's important right. and kind of pointed you that direction as well, it seems like. Well, it's almost like I was saying, like, you're a you're going to be good at this. You're good at this. Mm. You know, why not? Why wouldn't you say yes? To me, I've, I've, it's almost like I've never understood why it's so hard. Mm. You know, like, why would nobody want to teach? I would much rather teach the youth Sunday school class than go to the mom's, you know, <laughs> Bible study. You know, I just don't want to. I mean, I. And I like, I mean, I was in United Methodist Women. I think it's an amazing organization. Um, but if you gave me the choice, every time I'm going to pick doing youth stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was just a desire of my heart and something that I love. And um, and I think as an adult working with this, those students and watching them really not be that great of singers, a couple of them <laughs> were great singers, but, you know, as a group, this wasn't an audition group. These are just people who wanted to give it a try and just seeing 
the impact that they can make on that music can make on them, the impact they can make on one another and the impact that they could make. I mean, we ended up touring with our little musicals <laughs> and stuff and, you know, just to see, you don't need necessarily the skill. You just need the heart to reach people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just realizing that I had the skill already, you know, and wanting to be as brave as the young people that I am coming in contact with. Cause a lot of times, you know, I, I mean, we were at uh, my husband's Baptist church where he grew up and we didn't stay there because I couldn't join the church having been baptized as an infant and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be baptized. But, um, um, we were just sort of there, you know, when we got married and moved here, just sort of going to church with his parents. And I'll never forget the some of the students saying, can you teach us a discipleship class? And I guess that's what they called their, you know, they're sort of like, I'm gonna, I want to be baptized or I've been mm-hmm. baptized and I want to take a class, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of, a, I guess, sort of a confirmation experience. Mm-hmm. Some of their older siblings and people they knew had sort of had that process. And they're like, can you teach this for us? I'm like, kids are asking for discipleship classes and no one is teaching them. That's nuts. And so I got the Being Baptist book and I said, well, somebody's mom is going to, or dad is going to have to come help. Somebody that's actually Baptist needs to be in the class. (laughs) To make sure I'm accurate. But I'll keep, I mean, so I learned the whole Being Baptist book and I taught it to them. And um, just, you know, there are students who want to grow their faith. And, you know, I just want to be one of those adults that says yes to them. And, and now I, when I can't do that, um, and, and my kids are seven and nine, so we're not too far away from me either being back in a role like that or being, uh, in a support role as Mm -hmm. a volunteer in their youth ministry. But just now, uh, if I can't serve youth, I'd like to serve youth workers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful that, DYM and other um, other organizations, but especially DYM gives me the um, opportunities to do that through, um, you know, I work on their pipeline, um, just sort of helping um, uh, review submissions, and they are very encouraging me to write blogs um, that they think would speak especially to women in ministry, and mm-hmm. so... Um, so while I prefer to serve young people, I do really, I'm really being fulfilled by serving, um, serving youth workers because we need support. It's hard out there. It is. It is. I think that's um, interesting that, that God does with a lot of us that have been in youth ministry for several years as all of a sudden I, I've noticed him turning my heart more to parents and turning my heart more to other youth workers. And I still love hanging out with teenagers, but just all of a sudden my heart has turned a little bit over the years. And it's been a really cool opportunity to take those experiences um, and run with them. So I'd love for you. To, yeah. Like what does, what does ministry look like for you nowadays, Ansley, as you sure. are, you know, not a traditional youth pastor, but you're still doing youth ministry. You're caring for other youth workers and speaking right. and things like that. So what does, what does youth ministry look like? Uh, well, a few simple things, you know, I, I speak at some camps. So the cool thing about not working is that I have been able to do some of the things I've always wanted to do, but never felt like I could do because, um, youth ministry is overwhelming amount of work Mm -hmm. and youth ministry plus motherhood is just feels like an impossible mission. And so I never felt that I could go take off work to go speak at a camp, um, 
and things like that. So now it's much, I get to do those things in particular. Um, there is a camp that we run in the Virginia conference of the United Methodist church called all God's children's camp. And it is a camp for kids with incarcerated parents. Oh. And they, many of them come back year after year. And it's just, um, the whole camp is specifically geared to them. Um, many, most of the students come from an urban setting. So just getting to go to a summer camp, it's, it's like a sleepaway camp situation with, you know, um, sleeping in a cabin and, you know, going, um, boating and, you know, zip lining and all that kind of outdoorsy stuff. Um, and every year I feel like someone from that camp has said, come on, Ansley, come teach Bible. You can bring your <laughs> kids. Like, you know, I really can't bring my kids. No, I can't mm-hmm. do that. Um, but now that I'm not working and my kids are older, I said, you know, I could totally do that. That would be so fun. So being able to say yes to opportunities like that, mm-hmm. um, awesome for me. And then also my kids get to go and mm-hmm. be part of the ministry with me. And that's super fun. Um, and then speaking at, um, our local Christian camp in the summer and also in their winter camp has been fun. Um, some people have started hiring me to do their weekend retreats and I love that kind of stuff because you know, you're getting to meet new students and that's always really fun. And, and plus when I, uh, was working, I loved having someone else lead my programming so mm-hmm. that I could just be with my students. So I love serving in that way. Um, and, uh, I've really started, uh, my background is in writing. I was a communications journalism major, mm-hmm. um, so again, something I never had time to do was to write blogs that serve youth workers. Um, I've really enjoyed doing that, and um, and DYM has given me a, um, a a medium, you know, to publish my blogs, and so that's been really fun. Um, and also just getting to review everyone's content um, that they're submitting has been super fun for DYM and. And, and I've been, you know, um, the DYM team has really pushed me to get some content on the, mm-hmm. um, in the store and I've done a couple things, um, and I need to do more, but I'm just, I'm not a graphic designer and I'm really lacking in that area. So, um, Tim Wildsmith and Frank Gill have been helping me put my, some of my ideas into actual, uh, games and, um, but and there's a lot more I could be doing there, but I think I'm, I think I'm a little uh, t- uh, timid about that. I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I really enjoyed writing curriculum, like we said, for G Shades, mm-hmm. and that was a cool experience. And I'm going to be doing um, a series again for them. I think that comes out in the summer. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I've been doing, and also um, uh, because some folks like you have put. Um, you know, have given me some opportunities to speak to youth workers on, um, on their podcasts and things like that, especially at um, national youth workers convention. A lot of people started introducing me to women that they felt Mm. like didn't have the support that they needed in youth ministry. And, um, so I've been doing some sort of just, I don't know if you call it coaching maybe or consulting as much as just being a friend Mm. and an ear and, you know, uh, um, a cheerleader, for um, some women that just needed someone to help them through their, you know, their career as a youth worker. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that with some folks, and I think in my future we'll probably be in coaching. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm still I'm still exploring and navigating, and and that's what's so cool um, 
about um, organizations like DYM um, and cool youth workers like you who give a voice to women in youth ministry is it, currently my heart is for is for how hard it is to be a woman in youth mm. ministry and especially how hard it is to be a mom in youth ministry. Mm. Mental load of youth ministry is exponential, as you know, um, and then add that to that the mental load of motherhood and it can be suffocating. Mm. Um, then, you know, add in that we're probably you know, we probably aren't being paid as much or, you know, we are more likely to have to move for husband's jobs. That's not just true for women. That's a lot of um, men in ministry too have, you know, wives that are breadwinners, but typically for women, um, those are more prevalent issues. And I just, I really have a heart for just throwing support out there to make sure, you know, that you're asking for what you're worth mm-hmm. and that you say no, or you're setting your boundaries or, mm-hmm. Um, that you're not feeling guilty Hmm. or, you know, whatever it is that especially all youth workers, but especially women in ministry are struggling with. I want to be there to help. Hmm. I want to be the person that I needed. Say no, Ansley. Ask for more money. No, Ansley. You don't have to accept that answer. No, Ansley. You deserve maternity leave or, um, you know, whatever, you know, it is that they need support. I want to be, I want to be able to be there for them. So I'm, I'm really loving that opportunity. That's really cool. Yeah. I've, I've, it's, there's certain things that I think that I was just blessed with growing up that, that I just never, for whatever reason, God may put me in certain situations. And I think women in ministry were one of those things that I, I think for the longest time, I didn't even realize that was a, that was an issue. I was like, of course, like there's people leading and I, I don't care what skin color they are or what gender they are or whatever, like God just appoints leaders and, right. and all that sort of thing. And then it was later in life that I realized, wow, like there are a lot of women that are going through some unfortunate stuff and they need people like yourself um, who help them advocate on, on behalf of themselves. And I think that's that's probably really difficult in ministry because we do walk this line of trying to be like Jesus and trying to be grace-filled and all that sort of thing, but we do need to advocate for ourselves in a, in a work environment. So how to walk that line, especially as a woman, I think is probably really difficult and I have no idea what that's like. Right, and because it makes us feel or seem like complainers mm. or um, like we're trying to, um, I mean, I had someone say to me one time, like, well, this, you know, is this about a career move for you? And I thought, well, <laughs> considering that I'm paid less than everyone else on staff, <laughs> that seems like a really unfair question. Um, you know, just sort of. Uh, you know, would he have said that to a man? You know, I've had a um, you know a gender bias review that I had to address mm. with uh, a pastor who I don't think wanted to give me a review like that. You know, if he would have really thought about it, I don't mm-hmm. think he would have chosen the words and the approach that he chose. And so, I just think there are so many um, so many issues for every youth worker. And so many things that only youth workers deal on with on staff. And then to add being uh, oftentimes the only female programming person mm. or the only female in your area. Mm. Um, and like you, I am United Methodist. Um, so, you know, we have lots of female youth workers. Mm. Are they less than the men? Definitely. <laughs> you know, we have female pastors. They're all, even in the Virginia Conference, which is a leading conference in the United Methodist Church, our women are paid less than men. Men get better appointments at churches that pay more money. 
And and the sad thing about that is that in our conference, um, our, our pastors are appointed. Mm. So that would be really easy to rectify if we were brave yeah. enough to do it, right? Um, and so, but, but there have always been women in leadership. So even to meet and, you know, in the United Methodist Church, we can kind of be in a bubble, you know, mm because we already collaborate with one another. We're a connectional church. Mm -hmm. So I always had youth workers to collaborate with at other churches. I didn't really need to branch out into the bigger Christian world. And in my last position, I was at a pretty big church with a pretty big youth ministry compared to, um, you know, many churches in the conference. And I, I really realized I needed to branch out and, and learn from other denominations, um, what they were doing because we could be learning from them, even if theologically we weren't um, on the same page. Yeah. I, I still, I still knew they had something to teach me sure. and with the support of my pastor who was great about it, uh, who trusted me theologically to, um, to be able to, you know, decipher or glean what I needed to glean. He really allowed me to branch out into, you know, for what United Methodist is a little scary, you know, to, to non-denominational land yeah. and learn. But then that's when I realized, oh, there's all these other women who who are excluded from their local youth pastor gatherings because they're female. What? That's nuts to me. And so I'm like, there's a whole world of people out there who are literally still doing that. I mean, I, I knew there were denominations where women couldn't be lead pastors, but it never occurred to me. And that even if you didn't do that in your denomination, that you would exclude a colleague because their church felt differently about that. Yeah. I mean, that, that never occurred to me. How mm. naive I, but that never occurred to me that they would be dealing with things like that. Mm. Or going to youth pastor conferences where things would say, you know, this is for the wives. Like major conferences where they would be, you know, where their spouses wouldn't be uh, considered. Or just mm. things like that. Or just, you know, and it's just crazy to me that, um, that, that was happening and and so I'm really it, it's almost like I can't be that big of a help in situations like that because I never faced it but then when I do look back well actually I am even though I'm in a denomination that affirms women in many ways I'm still dealing with a lot of the same things which is sad but true so um anytime I can even just sometimes just reminding reminding women that they have value um this is what we talk. I talked about with dairy is that, you know, we, even if we even like, I couldn't achieve the longevity that I would like to achieve because of my family situation, but I'm still valuable. Mm -hmm. And I convinced, it took me a lot to convince myself mm. that, I, you know, why would Steve want me on his podcast? I'm just a stay at home mom. You know, <laughs> why would dairy want me on his podcast. You know, I, I couldn't stay to any of my jobs as long as these other guys on, mm -hmm. you know? And so, just saying no, but I do have value because there are other women in the same boat and they need to hear from someone like them. And, you know, and, and maybe my contribution looks different. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe it's still important. That's, um, so thank you that you give a voice to people that aren't, you know, all going down the exact same road in ministry. Yeah. yeah. Important. 
no problem at all. Well, and and and, and <laughs> in all honesty, you have a you have a small youth group there at home that yeah, that you right. have the opportunity to to pour into the next generation very literally every day, and and I am sure that's that's probably bringing a whole lot of insight as you as you you know help other youth workers and and other people too as you speak at camps because you have your own kids that you're trying to help disciple at home too. Well, and I can speak for parents mm. um, to other youth workers, mm. even. Um, uh, during the whole coronavirus thing, DYM was really trying to just, just, um, resource youth workers. You know, it was just, we all stopped all of us sort of on the support team to say like, what do, what do people need? Like, let's get them what they need. And, oh my gosh, we have these people as part of DYM, like Anthony Taylor and people like him that just stop what they're doing and teach other youth workers how to do things. Mm -hmm. And, oh, you never use Zoom, let me help you. Oh, did you know you could use Sidekick with that? And crazy. And they're all just um, brilliant, coming out with all this brilliant stuff. And I said, well, hold on a second, guys. I'm about to cry by how much my my kids' teachers have Mm -hmm. sent me. (laughs) So just don't. Don't feel like your parents need you to send something because yeah. they might not want ever to see another email from anyone <laughs> ever again. Yeah. And they, you know, immediately responded, could you write a blog about that? <laughs> so in the middle of, you know, just inundating everybody with free resources, they included my blog that said, moms are freaking out, mm. you know, so don't forget that. Just like chill, be yourself. And if you're a mom and you're trying to learn how to use, you know, uh, YouTube live and your kids are now homeschooled by you and your church, you know, you can't even afford to stop working because you're afraid they'll lay you off. You know, I hear you. I see you. I know mm. what you're doing. And this is crazy town. Yeah. And. Um, and, and so I'm grateful also to be able to give a voice, um, to those moms who are youth workers or to be able to give a voice for the parents to other youth workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just, uh, my son who, uh, has ADHD, you know, it's been eye opening to me to see what his needs are and how to address them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've had to do a lot of self learning, um, to address his needs and how remarkable it is to see the tools that counselors give when you put them into practice, how well he does. Mm. And so I do see that as maybe something in the future. I would like to be helpful to other youth workers in dealing with students, um, with, you know, special needs or, um, at least from, from a parent perspective of how we can serve. Because again, that's another, it's another thing that we don't understand until a lot of times I didn't understand ADHD until I was a parent of an ADHD Mm. child. You cannot fully understand that, you know, the child is not making those choices on purpose Mm -hmm. and youth worker and that kid is on your retreat and they're losing their, you know, um, control of their body or, Mm -hmm health or whatever you know it's even sometimes now you know when someone will post something about how bad their Wednesday night went I'm like Wednesday nights are horrible you know most of those kids need to be at home in bed yeah. <laughs> like if you're dealing with middle schoolers on a Wednesday night it's basically never going to go any better for you <laughs> right they are tired don't give them any more sweets and don't try to wear them out with activities <laughs> that's not going to help and so you know so sometimes I do feel like Yes, motherhood does help give a unique voice 
Um, and we all have a unique voice, whether if you're single, if you're married, if you have kids, everybody has a unique value to offer and it doesn't need to look like everyone else. And I don't want collaboration to turn out to be comparison. Mm. And I want people to understand that, you know, your students need you. Mm. The parents group need you. It does. It's okay. If you're not a parent, you can learn, learn from your parents, mm -hmm. empower your parents then yeah and that's what leadership is and um again you know we don't always have those things in our first few years we're sort of grasping at straws and learning as we go so anytime i can make it easier for someone else from mm -hmm. that perspective it's great too and yeah you know i want to be a good parent um maybe hopefully one day to uh to a youth pastor we'll see we're at a little tiny church right now um, since I've stopped working and we're really enjoying it because it is intergenerational mm -hmm. and so we'll have to wait and see what happens when uh, when my kids are old enough to be wanting a youth ministry. I've also <laughs> considered starting one at their school. They have a small private school in our country to start a Christian fellowship at their school. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, I just I'm taking a note right here because I think this is so important. You don't want collaboration to turn into comparison. I think and, you know I don't know what the the state of our country is going to be in um, by the time that this particular podcast um, airs. But I think that's so incredibly important in the middle of all this the collaboration that's happening with the coronavirus stuff and everything that I've seen like a lot of collaboration happen, which is so amazing. But I can see how it easily can turn into comparison. And right. your situation is different than mine versus down the road versus across the country and and that's so important to remember yeah and let's not be afraid to learn mm -hmm. you know i'm not even working but i got on the behind the scenes you know mariners thing with josh and doug mm -hmm. so i could learn i, I don't want to miss out on all the innovation that's happening right now just because i'm not working in a church mm -hmm. um, and i've been watching some things that other people are doing um but also i mean yeah, if, if you can't, if you don't have the capability or the time, first of all, hopefully by the time this airs, we will be, you know, <laughs> road out of coronavirus, but we may not, we may be at this for a while. Who knows, and, yeah. Um, this may happen to us again. And so I think we have plenty of time to put the things that we've learned into practice. Um, and you can still learn and be inspired and then put that in to practice in your own context. And it might be the smallest little part of what they're doing. It may even be just seeing, you know, that Josh and Doug got nervous, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and they were stressed about it and yeah. that it, and they felt like it was a ton of work, even though it should have been less than what they usually do. Yeah. And just that feeling could be enough to learn from that. Even if you're just doing a FaceTime with the five kids in your small group. Um, but I really think, in my experience, you know, students just want you to know that you love them. Parents need to know that you understand um, and that you want to be helpful to them. And so, um, I, I mean, I just really feel like it can be, you, I don't want people to be afraid to learn from other youth workers. So sometimes people just shut themselves off and mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to get involved in all that because it's just overwhelming. Try to find out an amount that you can stand <laughs> so that a group that you can join um, on Facebook or, or wherever, you know, a podcast that you really love to listen to or a handful that you really learn from. And don't shut yourself off because, I mean, I just, I became such a much better youth pastor when, or youth minister, we say, in United Methodist Church. I don't <laughs> want any UMC or 
then what do you mean speaking out of turn but youth pastors and youth workers um i don't i i became so much better when i started learning from others mm. even though i couldn't do a lot of what they were doing it didn't look in the end anything like theirs i learned so much about what was possible and um and I, I let others do the work for you, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't have to be a tech wizard because I can just ask one of my friends, I can just ask Anthony Taylor what to do and mm -hmm. help, help me. Or, um, you know, I can just uh, buy something off DYN that looks good already. Or I can just, um, you know, uh, you know, use something that I saw someone else posted that they got off YouTube or whatever. And it's just... To me, it's so great to be able to take all that in and use it in a way that serves my students. Because ultimately, it's not about looking good. It's about serving your students. Yep. And so gleaning from all those people and things what serves your students. And then I really do think having coaches or accountability partners, even if they have to be virtual, mm. um, and maybe that's something that we're learning from all this. Maybe you'll never have a virtual youth group, but you learn Zoom, and now you can get on a call with other youth workers at mm -hmm. same-sex churches. Um, you can get on with other women in youth ministry. You can get on with other people from your denomination around the country. And um, But I do think you need a group that helps you, you know, you, you're sort of doing life with them, too. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I hope that that's what people are getting from everything that's out there and not feeling like a failure because gosh, every youth group looks right. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. <different>. Yep. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, Ansley, it's been great to talk to you with you. I have one question, uh, to, before we wrap up and I give you a chance to kind of plug some things. Um, what are, I know you've had several years in, in youth ministry experience um, and in different contexts, and now in, a, in especially a different context. Are there any other couple tips that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, some stuff that, that God has taught you over the years. Um, a lot of times I, I pose this question, and you don't have to answer it this way, but a lot of times I pose it as if you could go back in time and, and tell your younger, your younger self, um, here's some things that, that you would benefit knowing as you, as you head into youth ministry. Um, well, for me, I think it would be to, to stop and advocate for yourself. Mm. You know, um, if, if it, this is personal to me and this is what I try to pass on to people I'm working with is that, um, if I would have known my value, I would have advocated for myself. And if I would have advocated for myself, then there were times when I could have stayed longer mm. there times that I could have, um, you know, overcome some of the challenges to serve better. Um, for instance, whether it be pay or whether it be, um, just, uh, your, you know, your level of authority or your level of collaboration professionally, um, with your coworkers or, um, or even the, the internal struggle of like, well, I, I'm not good enough to do this. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I can't do both things. So I'm just going to quit or I'm just going to, I'm just going to move to a church where I can do this differently or whatever. Um, and, and I've had a few people along the way that said to me, you know, for instance, um, I was working with, uh, someone as a volunteer so I could finish my Princeton certificate, mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't. We had moved, and I thought, um, 
I'm going to have, I had a baby and I was pregnant or I was planning to get pregnant. And then, and the, and the man I was working with, um, his name is Dwayne. Um, he said, well, Ansel, you just need the right situation. And I would say, well, what are the chances that that, you know, he's like, you just need to be an assistant. <laughs> I said, there's no assistant youth workers in our town. I'm like what? And then a friend uh, called me to say, Hey, I really need an assistant. Are you thinking about going back to work? And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I should have just said, yes, that sounds fantastic. But I said, you know what? I'm pregnant and I have a one-year-old. You don't want me. Hmm. And he said, Ansley, I just need someone who can get the work done. And I know that's you. So let's just, speak. what do you need? Do you need, I said, well, I need to be paid by the hour and I need to be part-time and I need this and this and this. And he was like, okay, let's <laughs> write it all down, bring it in, let's do it. And I thought, is it really that easy? You know, <laughs> he knew my value better than I did. Hmm not okay you know i you need to know your value if you have to sit down and write mm. it out <laughs> what makes me valuable mm. don't write out all the things that make you um oh i'm gonna need maternity leave or oh you know i i can't be out that many nights a week because i have kids or oh you know i'm not techie or whatever it is don't write down all that stuff without identifying all the things that make you the most valuable person for your ministry mm. Um, you can always delegate those other things. You can always recruit volunteers for those other things, but make sure that you know what makes you valuable to your church and make sure you find a way to advocate that is in love and grace, but also don't sell yourself short for fear of being, um, you know, too assertive, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially for women. You know, we don't want to come off that way and, you know, frankly, um, you know, we do need a little assertiveness for the kingdom sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, try to find that balance of openness with your leadership that you can really. Um, and, and I feel like when we value ourselves the way that when we see ourselves the way that God sees us, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's not bragging or, you know, burying our, our challenges. But, you know, God sees us. um you know, as valuable to the kingdom and we should see ourselves that way. So, yeah, that's great. That's great. I was actually just reading, I was telling my wife the other day, I've been reading um, just through the gospel of Matthew and, and seeing Jesus's leadership and how he approaches people. And he's so assertive and so just like he knows who he is clearly. Um, but he just like commands that presence and just talks to people in that way. And I was like, you know, like how would he be treated in our world today? If people just came across that, that strongly because you're so certain. And I think um, people in general, it'd be hard, but I think it's just, it's unfortunately really difficult for women to, to come across that way um, because of perception. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've had a pastor say, you know, basically I was one of the most talented youth workers I'd ever worked with, but you know, you're too assertive. Mm. <laughs> like, well, um, I'm not sure that, you know, that is really a negative. And also, <laughs> um, how can I be both at the same time? And right. so, and also, that is a really um, gender biased word. Mm -hmm. Let me do some uh, scholarly research on that because yeah. you should be using that word, and yeah. you know, on a, on a uh, review. And so, it just—I don't know. It just, yeah. I mean, shouldn't we be assertive of what we know to be true? Mm -hmm. And um, and sometimes women have to push harder, and then sometimes mm -hmm. women take twice the heat for pushing harder. Yeah. 
Um, but I feel like when we are confident in what our value is, we don't have to do that in a negative way. Yeah. And there have been times I've done that in a negative way out of frustration. Mm. Um, whereas if I would have sat down, if you have a coach or a partner, someone that you can sit down and say, what, how am I valuable? Mm. Luckily for me, I had a colleague that needed my value. And so he helped me identify what I was good at. And, uh, you know, some other colleagues and, and a lot of times that comes from men. Mm. And I guess that would be another tip that I have. If you're a man in youth ministry, there are things that you can do to lift up your female colleagues. Mm. You can make sure that they're included. You can call out other youth workers for gender bias. Um, sometimes it seems like snowflake stuff, but sometimes we're pretty fatigued mm. of about your beard or you know listening to like inappropriate <laughs> jokes most of the time we work with middle schoolers we can right. play that pretty well right okay but we're we're, we're sometimes we're just tired you know we don't want to hear any more jokes about your privates or you know we don't want to talk about your favorite beard oil anymore like we just don't because that makes us feel not included mm. yeah and so some of that you can laugh about and some of it you know, really, is it is that creating an environment where the women, where your female colleagues are not welcome? Mm. Um, because sometimes we just want to be made to feel like we're on the same team as you. And, and when we do that, we provide them opportunities. You know, and I'm working with some men right now who are trying to make sure that um, that there is you know, there, there are female voices, mm. for instance, on the DYM blog, or that there are female authors in the DYM store. And that takes men reaching out because mm. they are currently controlling, you know, who's on the blog. Mm -hmm. So if they don't reach out and, and find, you know, women, um, either ones that they know or ask other people for women that they know, if they're not making their voices heard, then there will not be representation and they know, those are the kind of men that know that we're all better when there are more voices included. So if you're the kind of man who knows that to be true, and most of us, when we think about it, we know that's true, mm -hmm. right? More diversity um, in gender and nationality, um, cultural experiences, the size of your church, everything is really helpful to the, to youth ministry as a whole. And so if you're the kind of man who has, um, if you're sort of a gatekeeper, you know, like, or you have a platform, like with your podcast, you know, what are you doing to include more people of color? What are you doing to include more women, to lift up women? Um, because it's your responsibility mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm grateful for the men in my career who have done that because otherwise, and, and some of those men don't even agree with me theologically about mm. women in leadership, but they respect people and they want to hear from people that disagree with them. And that's made a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. Ansley, it has been so great to talk with you uh, today. I'm sure that our podcast listeners are going to want to get a hold of you um, and they're going to say, how can I learn more? How can I even get coached by her? How, all that sort of thing. So what is the best way for people to connect with you online? Uh, well, Ansley Higginbotham is a lot. So that's like <laughs> a lot of name. Um, but you can find me pretty easily through uh, Twitter and Twitter and Insta, I'm Ansley Higg, so it's A-N-S-L-E-Y, Higg, H-I-G-G. Um, you can look me up on Facebook. Um, I also have a website. Hopefully, by the time this airs, I'm so lame. <laughs> uh, 
as you can testify by the fact that I was having a hard time, like turning off my notifications at the beginning of this. Um, I have a friend who has lost her patience with me that my <laughs> website needs work. So hopefully by the time this airs, um, my website is called Ansley loves church because Ansley Higginbotham is just too much. <laughs> AnsleyLovesChurch.com, uh, and there you can find uh, blogs I've published, hopefully the resources that I have available in the DYM store, how to get in touch with me, and things like that. So. Cool. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, I, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm thinking about the future for you. I mean, you're doing so much in a, with a non-youth ministry job that like, I think the rest of us may suffer some if you actually, if God says it's time to be pulled back into the church because you're, you're benefiting oh. all those other youth workers and parents and everything in the meantime. So I don't oh, know. I don't know how you're going to balance it all when, if God does that. <laughs> Maybe I'll just feel like I have so much time on my hands when my kids are older, but, you know, Maybe. probably not. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, for being on today, and may God bless all the different ministries that you're involved in. Thank you, Steve. You're great. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Ansley Higginbotham. If you have not yet connected with her online, be sure to do that. She's got a wealth of wisdom and knowledge about youth ministry, and uh, and she's great to talk to, as you could tell. Uh, but uh, yeah, make sure you do contact her and, and ask her all the questions, because uh, she's got a lot there to share. But also, if you have not yet connected with us on social media, please do that. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we would love to just connect with you online, um, hear about recommendations for other youth workers that we should interview in future episodes, and uh, just especially right now, hear about what your ministry is going through, how you're doing ministry in the middle of all this coronavirus stuff. Um, I would love to be able to hear all that stuff and uh, hear what's working, what's not working, that sort of thing. If you have not connected with any sort of network, now is definitely the time to do it. Um, you can join the Download Youth Ministry Facebook group, but there's so many other things out there. A longtime sponsor of ours, the National Network of Youth Ministries, has a great website to connect with other youth workers. Just make sure you're in community right now. I think that's that's always huge, but especially right now in the middle of all this. We also want to thank our sponsor for this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast, and that is G Shades Student Curriculum. If you haven't checked out gshades.org yet, be sure to do so to get your free week of curriculum and also use the promo code STUMINPOD to receive 5% off your order. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Student Ministry Podcast. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for leaving all your positive comments. I'm so grateful for uh, the opportunity to be able to do this. And uh, I look forward to, to being here again uh, next month with another interview. We've got some great ones lined up. So tune back in again, share this out with others. And if you have other people that we need to get in contact with, be sure to let us know. We would be so grateful for that. Well, with all that out of the way, it's time for you guys to move back to whatever you've been doing, trying to figure out ministry in this whole coronavirus thing. But, uh, but know that I'm praying for you all and may God bless your ministry. Mm-hmm.